This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hey there, and welcome to the Pioneer Agronomy Northeast podcast. We are on our 74th episode. This is the week of August 22nd. I am Chris Guse. Usually with me is Emily Oligar, but she had to take today off. So uh, we just get me by myself with our guest today. Um, Our topic is the soybean conditions and how they look in our area in the Northeast. Our guest is Jonathan Rotz, and Jonathan has been on the program quite a bit with us, but if you could, Jonathan, just uh, introduce yourself again and remind everyone of the area that you cover. Sure thing, Chris. So, yeah, again, Jonathan Rotz, field agronomist for Pioneer. I cover South Central, Southeast Pennsylvania. Um, Been with the company for about 12 years, covering mainly in that area. So, good to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We definitely uh, love having your expertise on. So before we move on to our main topic today, we're going to do a section that we call the odd and unexplained, where we ask our agronomists to tell us about something they've seen different or seeing something in the field this year. Jonathan, do you have anything like that? Yeah. So one of the interesting things in my territory this year is I've joked with folks that I think my territory really mimics the nation right now, that, uh, I have everything from an absolutely excellent crop, getting tons of rain to some spots that just can't catch a break and are under severe drought. Um, and the thing that I, the thing that I'll bring up on on the corn side for kind of an odd and unexplained is even in some of those areas where it feels like we've had more than adequate resources. Um, I'm getting some questions about guys seeing a little bit of tipping back in their corn and wondering, you know, with all the rain and they've put a bunch of fertility down and. And as I've been looking at some of our weather data and charts and everything, you know, it comes back to sunlight mainly. That's one of the things that we have to remember on all of our plants, whether it be corn, soybeans, whatever. You know, the uh, the farmer is the original solar farmer. It uh, doesn't matter how you look at it. Um, what we're trying to do is harvest as much sunlight as possible. And that plant's going to do an awesome job of taking that sunlight, converting it into carbohydrates, then eventually depositing those carbohydrates as whether it's like a starch or a protein, whether it's corn or soybeans. But if we limit the front of that, where we're not getting enough sunlight, uh, you know, just because we set that yield, we may not be able to complete it. So, you know, again, even in those areas, and we think about that extremely rainy areas, we tend to have more cloud cover uh, whenever we have rain. So, um, you know, if it were a perfect world, we would get in inch of rain every Sunday and bright sunny skies for the rest of the week and uh, we would have a great crop but one of the things to keep an eye on and in, in, in the back of your mind when you're looking at your crops is how much sunlight are you getting. That's a really interesting point and a great one to make. It, it reminds me of I think it was 2020 might have been 19 in my area so we have a lot of irrigation right yep. and uh, you know in that year we got a lot of rain so the dryland corn I mean were just absolute phenomenal yields and then you guys are used to the irrigation being quite a bit better than the dryland corn. And that year, you couldn't see a difference in yield inside and outside the pivot. And it came yep. down to it came down to exactly what you're saying. We got the rains that we needed for that dryland, but we didn't get that sunlight to finish out that ear on that irrigated corn. Um, so I, I think that's a really valuable point and something that we need to make sure we look at. Great, great share. 
So now we're going to move on to our main topic, which is our soybeans and how they look in the Northeast. So Jonathan, we'll start out with that. Like what you just, you mentioned that, you know, you've kind of got the whole spectrum there on, on uh, in your area, as far as great looking crops and, and bad looking crops. Tell us how the soybeans look. Yeah. So um, soybeans are always fun in a sense, because you know, like I said, we've got this wide spectrum of, of all sorts of weather that we've had in my territory. But um, unlike corn, uh, you know, corn doesn't like a bad day. Soybeans really just don't like a bad week. So they're a little more resilient on some things. So definitely, uh, we're, we're definitely in some spots taking some yield off of soybeans. Uh, I always tell guys on soybeans, when I think about the condition of a soybean crop, we'll talk about vegetative health here in a little bit. But we always need to remember that, you know, soybean yield is the number of nodes on a plant, and then you hang pods around your node, the number of beans within that pod, you know, everybody likes to look at for those four, and now we're hearing a lot about five bean pods or whatever else, and that's great, but then the number one determining factor on soybean yield is soybean size, and that's made during the grain fill process, you know, and really for a lot of my full season beans, that's right where we're at right now. We're, um, we're at that place where we've pretty well wrapped up flowering, we're filling all these pods, we're we're going gangbusters at it. So at this point in time, we need water. And we also need, you know, once again, photosynthesis. So this is where we start talking about diseases and stuff. Uh, in general, again, across the board in my territory, you know, those areas that are a lot drier, um, we don't have near the disease pressure. Now, I will say uh, a lot of my really top end bean guys are managing with fungicide as kind of just a, a typical practice, right? But, um, but even in some of those places where we were trying to really decide timing on, on fungicide and such, we weren't seeing a lot there. However, the areas that I've had that have just been getting rain after rain, we have so much moisture down under that canopy, creates a lot of inner canopy humidity, diseases need warm, moist place to go. And so I've been seeing, you know, some septoria start up. I've been seeing some frog eye in some places, a little bit of cercosporus showing up. Um, enough to where, you know, if the guy hadn't put a fungicide on, and this is thinking a few stages back, you know, we were definitely making the recommendation. Let's go in and make sure that we clean that plan up for fill. Yeah, those are all great points. Have you seen any sudden deaths start showing up or the symptoms of sudden deaths start showing up? So really good question. So I actually just, uh, had somebody reach out to me here the other day with sudden death. And I will say for my territory, Sudden death is not an extremely typical disease that I see. We, we will get some pockets of it. Um, but what I do see is I do see some brown stem rot. And so it's a good thing to kind of call out that, you know, we do have, we do have sudden death, which is a major impact to soybeans if you get it. And so we need to be out there vigilantly scouting. But this was an instance where based on where it came from, and I have not, I have not followed up in the field yet, but, you know, I really, I really made out to them to, really make sure on what they were looking at, you know, because you'll still see that little bit of skeletonizing with brown stem rot that can really call you out to sudden death. Um, but again, you know, you start poking into what the actual stem looks like, roots, and and what you're seeing around the plant, and, and it may not be. So personally, I have not run into any. Uh, that would be the first little little shine, but I know you guys deal a whole lot more with it. So how are you, how are you finding it, Chris? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and like you said, splitting that stem to, to figure out whether it's brown stem rot or whether it's sudden death, uh, that's key there. Um, you you got to do that to figure out what you're what you're dealing with. Um, I, we, you know, we were okay 
Uh, so far, we haven't seen any symptomology come into any fields yet. Um, you know, usually you're going to see it uh, show up first in your turn rows, uh, compacted areas of the field, and 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 sudden death is something that actually comes in and infects the um, the soybean plant earlier in the season. Yep. You're just not seeing that leaf symptomology until the end of the season there. Um, we haven't really seen a ton of it yet this year uh, to where we'd have big problems. You got to have that, you know, cooler, wetter, early spring there um, with those early planted soybeans. And we necessarily didn't quite have that in most of the area. So we're not seeing it as big of a problem with it. Yeah, and I know for my area, you know, the, the couple spots that we do have it, our seed treatments have gotten to the place where, you know, we're really doing, as you said, it's a preventative, right? So it's in that soil. Uh, next year we come back to that field, it'll be there. It'll just be waiting for us as long as those conditions are there. Moves with the soil. So yeah, like you said, you'll find it in a certain spot and then you'll watch it just progress with the uh, motion of machinery and everything else. But man, um, again, for the guys that we know have it, they put some of these, uh, some of our seed treatments on and, and it's, it's a really sound way to, to manage that disease. Yeah, those seed treatments really are lights out against sudden death. Um, they, they are something that uh, definitely works really well. So let's uh, move on to the insect sides. Have you been, seen any insects uh, that are hurting soybeans this year? So fortunately, not a tremendous amount. I've seen a fair amount of feeding on soybeans. One of the things with soybeans is it does take a tremendous amount of defoliation. So, you know, just when you first start seeing those first little bits, um, we definitely had some Japanese beetles working on them. I had one isolated area where we had a Mexican bean beetle. Um, that is one thing that we have dealt with in the past. And for anybody out there, I've, I've always said, you know, once you see Mexican bean beetle, just go out and spray because they move so tremendously fast. Um, but funny enough, even in my dry areas, I really, I really was expecting to see more issues with some spider mites and such. Um, and we, you know, we had a couple of little spots where we maybe fired up a little bit, but it wasn't as big of a, uh, epidemic of that as sometimes in these dry. So, so from the, from the actual insect side, haven't had the feeling that we're, we've got a tremendous amount of pressure for myself locally. Um, but yeah, it's, we've, we've been able to identify a ton of, ton of insects out there, but they just have not blown up in population the way they do some years. Yeah, and you're probably I would I would venture to say those guys that are putting that fungicide on they're probably throwing an insecticide in with it. Absolutely, yeah. And there's all sorts of back and forth on whether that brings yield or not. Um, but I know for myself personally, it's even something that I do kind of recommend. Um, again, whenever we're out there, we tend to tend to pay attention. Um, you know, if we've got just a ton of beneficials and nothing else, yeah, we'll say, hey, why don't we just keep that out? Um, but boy, I've, I've seen a lot of benefits to having that fungicide and insecticide in there. And, you know, again, we're, we're looking for, um, capturing sunlight, right. And, and the best way to capture sunlight is a big, healthy leaf. So. Yep. No, but I agree with that. And I, I like your point on the defoliation and the percent defoliation. When you actually look at, you know, what a 30% defoliation is on, on a soybean leaf, it, it's, it looks a lot worse than you, than you think 30% would. So, so looking at those numbers and, and checking those out, I, I think is definitely crucial as you're walking your fields. The one thing that I wanted to bring up, and I agree with you, we haven't seen a lot of insect pressure, like you said, um, just some spider mites maybe in the dry spots and things like that. Um, but this is a good time 
to look for Dekti Stembor if you yep. have it or if you've seen it. So could you talk about a little bit about like this time of year and, and what you should look for to see if you have Dekti Stembor in your field? Sure thing. So, uh, yeah, we've hit this a couple of times. Um, Dekti stem bore is this, it's what it says, you know, it's a this little stem bore. And what you're going to find in those fields is you're just going to have these plants, these random plants wilting throughout the field. And it's actually, actually sticks out pretty well because it's the top of that plant. Um, so what you're going to look for then is, is follow that wilting petiole down, you know, get to the, get to the point where you see that wilt and, uh, and pull that petiole back. You'll typically see a little hole where that where that stem bore has gone in. Um, a lot of times, you know, if I'm trying to really positively identify, just kind of like what we were talking about, brown stem rod versus SDS, I go ahead and split that stem open. And you'll either actually find that stem bore sitting around in there. You'll at least find the tunnel from that point. And that's all he's doing. He's just tunneling up through there. Um, and it is, it's a nasty insect, right? Because basically now he has terminated you know, the majority of that plant, and you're not going to be, again, pod fill is where we're trying to make that yield. If you have a significant number of these guys, the other side of that is they're quite cozy inside, so you can go throw all the insecticide you want on that thing. It's not getting inside of the plant to get at that. Um, so, unfortunately, it's one of those things uh, that once you have it, uh, the after-the-fact management of it is kind of just be ready. One of the one of the things I always tell my guys is if I see Dectes in a field, just make sure that's a really timely harvest. It's very similar to like corn borer. You know, we've we've had some issues with the integration of that stalk or the, the, the stability of that stalk now. Now it's got this whole board through it. Um, so, yeah, we always make sure that that's one of the first fields we get off. Yeah, I, th I think those are great points to make, and you're you're 100% right on it. I mean, you can spray every insecticide you want on it, and it's not going to help it now. Um, and and also, um, there there's been maybe some rumor out there talk about whether or not there's certain varieties of soybeans that are more resistant than others, or anything like that. There is no resistance out there for Dekti stem borer. Uh, it is it doesn't uh, you know. Uh, discriminate one soybean versus another. There is no resistance out there for any other ones. There's not one that's better than any other. Um, so when you see it in a field, like you said, you'll see that, you know, that petiole, that trifoliate there, uh, just the one kind of die and the rest of the plant looks fine or the rest of the ones, it kind of stands out. This time of year is perfect to really be able to, to look for that because you'll be able to see it. And like Jonathan said, you're not going to be able to do anything right now about it. But what it does is it gives you the knowledge of that you have it in that field and you need to scout that field and you need to harvest that field in a timely manner because those those plants will start lodging. And when they start lodging, you're not going to be able to pick them back up off the ground. It'll look like almost like a knife went out there and cut those plants um, right there at the bottom. You won't be able to harvest it. So definitely this time of year is perfect to scout for it. And, and then you'll know um, at the end of the year and, and prioritize those fields uh, over another one. I think that that's why uh, I bring up deck tea stem bore this time of year. So now let's move on to, um, I mean, you have full season beans there and you have double crop beans there. And honestly, 
in my opinion, I feel like they're just two different crops and two different management practices in a lot of ways. So what are your, what are you seeing out there difference between the full season and double crops? So I'll agree with you, Chris, that it, it feels like they're very different, but I'll also say that I keep on telling guys we're trending closer and closer to the same management for one simple reason that our double crop yields just continue to increase more and more. Um, I know some of this depends on, you know, what, what the definition of dry land is and, and the soils that you have under it. But, you know, in, in a lot of the areas that I cover uh, with the fertility we have and, and the uh, deeper soils and spots, um, you know, we're getting, we're getting 60, sometimes 70 bushels on double crops. And at that point in time, we do start thinking about, you know, some of the same practices of fungicides and, and everything else. With that being said, however, I would say the biggest difference between a full season and a double crop soybean outside of obviously changing up some seeding rates and stuff as we're going in is typically our double crop soybeans are going to be more of that wait and see crop. You know, um, our full seasons guys pretty much, you know, let's go ahead and get the fungicide here and everything else. Like we said, it's kind of just part of the management double crop soybeans. It's a little bit, let's see how this, this year holds out. And it comes back to that moisture during fill, as we talked about. And to your point, Chris, it is two different crops just because of the time frame of when they are actually filling those soybeans. And so, you know, if one of them goes through a drought, uh, especially those later season ones, we're going to certainly have less and less um, yield potential there. And then, you know, really start to think about pulling back some of the inputs that we put over top of them and, and all of that. The other side of it is, I guess, from a little bit more of a practical side is the other part about double crop that um, I think sometimes, uh, whether it helps us out or hinders us, is we've already made a little bit of money off of that acre with our wheat crop or sometimes a barley crop. And so, you know, guys are, guys are not maybe quite as desperate to make sure that everything goes completely. However, I will also say I challenge guys on that, that we don't want to have, you know, complacency come in because we still have some serious yield potential there. But yeah, definitely more of a little bit wait and see. And, and even right now, you know, for my territory, at least we're, we're looking at, you know, some soybeans that are definitely right in the reproductive phase. And we're still making those decisions on what do we want to do as far as fungicide, if it's going to be pretty dry here yet, that's going to probably go by the wayside. Whereas for some of my guys that are getting wet, you know, and keeping on, they're going to, they're going to be thinking that way. Those are all really good points. And you bring up uh, another question to mind there as we're going into those fungicide uh, decisions and whether or not to spray them or not. What is your recommendation on timing? So it all depends on what disease we're going after. Um, you know, we, I know between you and I, we don't have a tremendous amount of white mold pressure, but you know, as you move north and west of us, white mold tends to be a real issue. Um, and that one's going to be a really early spraying period. It's R2. So uh, for the guys in my territory and yours, I, I often talk about wheat because it's a little bit more of this aha moment of it's the same thing as trying to get head scab in wheat, right? You got to go during flowering and keep that disease from actually entering the plant through that flower. That's the way white mold is. So we think about more that R2 application. Um, a lot of the other just, just foliar diseases, it's really thinking about moving that further back in the season so that, again, we're protecting those leaves. Remember with a, with a soybean as well is, you know, it's, it's still in the vegetative growth as it's putting reproductive on. So unlike our corn plant where it goes and throws all of its leaves out for us to, you know, manage and then goes into, into reproductive, 
soybean leaves keep emerging and those top leaves are going to still be your number one photosynthesizer. So if you go super early and try to really clean up the leaves, well, those leaves probably aren't even the ones that you're going to actually have the majority of your yield coming from. So a lot of guys talk about R3. I'll even push back to R4 on our foliar fungicide. A lot of that comes back to disease pressure. So being out there scouting, you know, if I have a ton of disease starting in R3, I'm going to not wait until R4. But if my beans are looking pretty, uh, pretty clean around R3, I might push it back just a little bit to try to maximize the amount of time that I have uh, post-fungicide to, to keep, those, uh, keep those plants clean. You bring up a great point again, and it reminds me of just seeing those clusters of pods right up there at that top of that plant. Yep. You know, and that really, just seeing that, that's what really puts it over the edge, I think, in a lot of times as far as that extra little yield at the end of the season and and, and having your fungicide be able to uh, cover those leaves as well is really going to help you get that cluster. I, I like that idea. I think that's a great point. So we're going uh, to to wrap up the discussion on beans. I'm putting you on the spot here. And then I feel like... I, I, I will I will say a point before I ask you this question is one, in my opinion, I feel like it's pretty easy to figure out corn yields. Heck, we even have an app to be able to give us a yield estimator there. Uh, but on the bean side of things, I can walk a field all day long and I'm still going to be wrong on guessing what the yield of that, that bean field is going to be. So I won't put you on the spot of what you think the bean yield is going to be. But overall, do you think you have, a, you know, a, a, a good to excellent crop or is it an average crop? Or what are your thoughts there, your first indications? I know we have a long way to go, but what are your thoughts now? My personal opinion is I think we've got an, probably right around average to just above average. One of the things we didn't talk about is we had a, we had a lot of pressure um, with some areas with slugs and some things as far as, you know, there's a lot of bean replants mm -hmm. and things. And so the, the ones that did get replanted, you know, I'm a firm believer that the earlier you plant beans, the more yield potential you have. So a replant, you know, although it is necessary, um, when you get down to low populations, it probably takes a little bit off. Uh, in those areas that had those issues, if you didn't replant, you may still not have 100% full stand. And we know beans are pretty, com they, they can compensate for that pretty well. But again, you know, maybe we took some off. So because of some of those things from a overall standpoint, I'm not sure that we've got that absolute grand slam year, you know, but I still think we're in a really good spot. Um, you know, a fair amount, again, you know, probably about half of my territory has, I would say, adequate maybe just decent soil moisture there's some of it that has about no soil moisture those areas we're going to be really challenged to have really good bean yields those are actually the areas where where the holdout hope really is the double crop soybeans because they still have uh, a lot of their story to be written as far as what the rest of the fall brings with moisture so when i think about my whole area that whole average to maybe slightly above average is where i'd land yeah, I think those are all great points, and you're right. In the double crop side, we, we still have a, a long ways to go with that. I mean, I always try to say we need a good September, really, yep. in a lot of ways um, for those double crop beans. That, that's the month that really makes or breaks those. So we still have hope on the double crop side of things. Um, it, just to give you a perspective from my side of things, uh, you know, the Delmarva Peninsula in New Jersey there, um, 
we've got a lot of areas that are that are in drought conditions um that are gonna that are in some bad situations we got some that you know got some rain over the past couple of weeks that's really gonna help and and really save that bean crop because like jonathan said you know it's it's going through vegetative and reproductive at the same time so you'll be able to see you know those nodes closer together in some spots and then farther apart in other spots and you'll see some clusters of soybeans on some nodes that are maybe some of that newer growth if it's been better lately and and not as many clusters on the on the lower leaves that you know was maybe if it was worse earlier kind of thing so beans can compensate in a lot of ways um but we're not uh we don't overall it's going to be a tough year for soybeans and if we don't get some rain um here soon it's going to be some pretty tough year for the for the uh, double crop as well um but we're still holding out hope and and hopefully we'll have a, a september that gives us that moisture that we need and that sunlight like jonathan said um that we need to keep going so i think those things um I think that's going to hopefully help us out as we go into September and hopefully we'll be able to uh, be able to save that double, save crop, double crop in that in. situation. So I really appreciate Jonathan um, for, for helping us uh, see how our soybean crop is doing for, uh, for this growing season. And now we're going to move on to our weekly watch out. This is a section where we ask our agronomists, what should we be looking at over the next seven to 14 days? Jonathan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so when I think about the next seven to 14 days, at least for myself, it's all about scouting corn and, and looking at the diseases and such in corn. Um, you know, for a lot of our corn crop, this isn't anything that we're going to do necessarily to manage one way or the other. A lot of fungicide applications have been done you know maybe there's a couple of late ones depending on when planning date that could still happen but um you know i always I, I i've been talking with some guys about this is the time of year that i like to uh explain the why you know there's those times that we go and we harvest the field and somebody says wow that really turned off or boy that was kind of disappointing and probably 90 percent of the information that could tell you as to why that was actually a great year or disappointing has already left the field at that point once it's harvested. So trying to get in there, look at, you know, different disease characteristics, things like that. And I know it's something on everybody's mind. Anytime you talk about disease right now, tar spot is one of the things that comes up. Everybody's out there really concerned about what does that mean for us here locally? You know, and, and we have seen tar spot um, in, in years past. There's a little, there's some of it out there this year as well. I have not been in any in any high pressure fields. I do know that there's some folks out there applying for it. And because of that, you know, producers start to talk and everything. Um, all I can say is, is really get out there and walk your fields and, and try to identify, you know, it's not just, we don't, we don't apply fungicides or anything else just because of the, you know, potential of a risk. We want to get out there and actually try to try to look at it. And, and I think especially of areas, you know, again, all over the board, but for my areas that are an average yield, maybe below average because of drought, we don't need to just go out there and spend money like crazy just in case, you know, something is going to happen. We want to go out there and identify. So if you're wondering about something, if you think you see something, you're not sure what it is, you know, I'll, as always, feel free to reach out to your sales rep or, you know, get one of us, uh, the field agronomist or territory managers to somebody out there to help uh, make sure that we're identifying the right things and, and making the right call. But just a really good time of year to assess, you know, how your crop looks before we go into this harvest season, whether it be silage or grain. 
Those are great points. And just a reminder for everybody. And I know that, you know, you need to look at the label of anything that you're looking to spray um, yeah. as we're coming into to harvest time, because there is usually a restriction there on harvest time window. And I, I, you can't, we can't say specifically what each one is, but what's the rough kind of window there for fungicides? Yeah, quite often it's a 30-day PHI or pre-harvest interval. Uh, you're right, you know, especially when we start thinking about, you know, um, tar spot and some things where our colleagues out west, in the Midwest, excuse me, um, that have been dealing with this, you know, there's multiple passes across that. But, you know, just really thinking about how long is that crop going to even be in the field yet and when is your last last timing going to be because of that. Yeah, I, I, I say west all the time because everything's west of us, John. And so if we just say west, it, it, it encompasses everybody out there. <laughs> yeah, you there's there's very few uh things farmed other than fish to the east of you is there <laughs> so but no we really appreciate jonathan taking the time today to give us that update and uh like john says boots on the ground get get out in your fields walk them uh scout your soybeans scout your corn that's the best way to know what's going on in your fields so thank you all for joining us today on the pioneer northeast agronomy podcast if you have any questions regarding your soybeans or anything we talked about today please make sure you contact your local pioneer rep thank you everyone for tuning in i hope everyone enjoyed the conversation this week and don't forget to search pioneer agronomy northeast on your podcast app for more insights and solutions fueled by forward thinking farming remember while you're there make sure you hit the subscribe button thank you all for tuning in thank you for listening to this episode from the pioneer agronomy team be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.